Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. Well, y'all had a good Thanksgiving. I'm glad for that. Uh, all... All the turkey stuff that makes you go to sleep, you wore that off, right? That's all. You got rid of all that, whatever that thing is within turkey that puts you to sleep. Were you eating turkey again this morning? Okay, you're just, okay. Uh, I'm going to do everything I can to keep you awake. So if you, you you just, you be ready. (laughs) Over November, I had, I determined I wanted to have a number of speakers in and just so into the spirit, so into the supernatural fabric of this church. So November was a little bit different. I didn't want to make a big deal out of it. Some of the, some of the guests that I invited couldn't come. Some of them could come. Some came at the last moment. But November, which we're just closing out <clears throat> here as we get ready to go into the a full-blown holiday season, I felt the Lord speaking to me that he was going to begin to stir things up in a positive way, that he's going to begin to, um, you don't want to, when a fire has just kind of, it's still going, the coals are still burning, it's still hot, it's still got it there, but um, if you want to go in and go the next day, you've got to start poking it up. And well, that's what I felt the Lord said, I'm going to start poking it up a little bit in, in the month of November. And that has truly happened. Not from my ministry, but other ministries that have come in. And um, this morning, I want to talk to you something out of, out of the book of Mark, and I'm going to ask you to go over to Mark chapter 6, verse 30. I want to talk to you, I, I guess if I was going to put a, a title to this, I'd call it Satisfied in the Wilderness, but... I'm just letting you know right now that as, um, because uh, right now you're thinking wilderness and already you've predetermined what the message is about. And it's not about that at all. Mark 6. Let's turn over there. Mark 6, verse 30. <clears throat> I'm just going to start reading. Lord, bless the word of God today. Everybody said, thank you, Lord, for the word. Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place. Some translations translate that, um, those two words into wilderness. And rest a while. For there are many comings and going. There were many coming and going. And they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. Verse 33. This will go to Vernon's prophecy this morning. Where he saw the house full. But the multitudes saw them departing. And they knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. And they arrived before them and came together to him. Jesus is the greatest attraction the world has ever known. And he still is. And Jesus, when he came out and saw the great multitude, was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered them and said, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred an arrow worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. So they went, they found, so when they found out, they said five and two fish. 
Then he commanded them to make them sit down in groups of green grass, and they sat down in ranks of hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed it, broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples to set before them. Jesus had a habit of breaking bread through his whole ministry, by the way. We talked about it a little bit for communion today. But you'll see him breaking bread over and over again. He looked up to heaven, blessed it, broke the loaves, gave them to the disciples, and set them before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. And so they all ate. Everybody say, all ate. And were filled. A tremendous, powerful miracle. And they took up the twelve baskets of fragments of the fish. And those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. Verse 45, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. And then it starts on the next portion of his ministry and his journey. A couple questions I'd like to ask you. How far are you willing to go with Jesus? Right answer. I think it does every Christian good to bring that supposition, that that, that question before us. We're, we're coming up on the end of another year, and, and like every year, there's, there's the good and there's the not so good. There's the, the laughing and there's the crying. There's, there's all those things, and, and it just, life just continues on. But in all of that, one of the questions that as a believer, as they take stock of their lives, how far am I willing to go with Jesus? Another question would be, and who are you willing to take with you? Two fundamental, powerful questions that every believer kind of, kind of needs to revisit. And Jesus was, Jesus within his ministry, in some way, somehow, he was always posing those, these two, they're not rhetorical questions, they were very, they were eternal questions, actually, they were real questions, he posed them in many, many different ways, but he, he did certain things over and over again. And one of the things that you find that Jesus seemed to, a habit that he did, was, Going into places in the wilderness or deserted places, into the hills, into the mountains, into places where there wasn't very many people, and he would he would he would find himself there. He would pray. He would minister there. He would um, do all manner of things. Would happen in the cities and in the synagogues. But sometimes you need to take a look at what Jesus was doing when he was in the in the uninhabited places. That that. Two words that were the, the, the desert place or in other places, whatever translation you're using, it says wilderness. It simply means an uninhabited place. Or it often refers to a place that's uncultivated but good for pasture. It wasn't that Jesus just took them up into the into the mountains where you had to be a mountain goat to get up there. No, he, what he was doing wasn't taking them into a waste place. He was taking them into an undeveloped place. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Why did Jesus lead people into these undeveloped places, into these uncultivated places? When I was a missionary in the Yukon Territory... Uh, for the first several years, we we lived literally out in the wilderness. Um, uh, we we um, had a little cabin that we were to find, and I won't go through all the the uh, details of all of that. But um, there was no electricity, there was no running water, there was nothing like that. We lived out there. We ministered to uh, a particular group of people called the Tlingits, the Tlingit Native people, and we loved them, and they loved us. We had great times of ministry uh, to them, but. That was the reason that I went to the Yukon, was the minister of that particular social group of people, that particular tribe of people. But to my amazement, when we got in these in the Yukon Territory and the far north and in northern British Columbia, there was a whole other group of people that I didn't realize lived there. We called them affectionately bush people. But there were white people, for the most part, who were tired of all the things down in the lower 48, and they went there basically to escape. You know, they had a plan. Some of them were hiding out, waiting for Jesus. Others were just hiding out. You can fill in the blanks. Others were there raising their kids because they didn't want to have their kids raised and all the and there were all those myriad of reasons. But we fell in love with those people as well. 
Well, in this one place that we lived on, we were on a, uh, we lived at the end of a three-mile dirt road that it was the end of a 200-mile dirt road. And so by the time you got to the end of our dirt road, it was the end of the road. And um, we lived on a little bay on what was called on, on a big lake called Atlan Lake. And the church that we pastored there, um, when we started it, I started it in the courthouse in town. It was the only building I could find to rent. And then later we bought a building and all of that. But because we were in the courthouse, all the, um, all the people that would be in the courthouse when we weren't there. You know why a courthouse is there, right? Okay, it was those people. <laughs> and they let me keep my sign up in the courthouse, Atlin Christian Center, services Sunday morning, that kind of thing. Come as you are, we'll love you. Well, they started coming. And some of them were easy to love and some of them not so much. Just like here, just like everywhere. But by the time this time of year came, the winters would, would kick in, the lake would freeze over, and um, uh, um, people would come to church in the winter. They would ride their snowmobiles up they, in the summer. They would bring their boats over. Um, uh, some some of them would come by dog sled, literally. They would hook up the dog and the kids and all and sled on in. And we didn't have phones like the phones you all have now. There we had CB radio, and that was our way that we kind of kept in touch with, with everybody. And um, <clears throat> one evening... Evenings came early, like two in the afternoon. That was evening in, in this time of year. And um, I get a call from one of the one of the Bush people guys. His name was Butch. He was across the lake, across the bay. And um, we we kind of watched out for each other. And I, I didn't see them, but a couple came by, and it turned out that they had a trap line way up in a cabin way up in the mountains. And they came through our part of the lake, and they were by dog sled, and they were going across the lake. The only thing is, a massive storm hit, and they went by Butch's before Butch's cabin before all that. But he realized later on, as the storm came in, that they would not have been able to make the last 20 miles to get to their cabin. So he called me in the CB. He said, "Pastor, uh, would you mind coming on over? And we we need to." And he, he mentioned their name, and I knew of them. I didn't know them, but he said, "He said I don't think they made it last night." I said, "Okay." It snowed three feet that night. So the next morning, um, about 11 o'clock was morning. That's when the the sun actually didn't come up. It just kind of got twilight. And, um, but jumped on the snow machine and, and rode across the lake, got to Butch's and, and, and I mean, it was, it was deep powder, dry snow and the machine was just kind of bogging down in it and all of that kind of stuff. And, and I get over to Butch's and I said, well, do you know where, do you have any idea? And he said, I have no idea. I just know they went, they went that way. I know where the cabin is up there. So he said, let's pray that God will help us find them. And so we did. And uh, we jumped on our machines, and it was a slate gray sky that was, like, down about 500 feet, and the wind was blowing, and it was freezing, you know, 25 below zero, a fresh snow, and going out, and it was just a white, pure white landscape. And as we were going out across the lake, um, maybe 100 yards up as we were almost across, I saw something that I'll never forget. It was the most wilderness image that ever has been pressed on my mind. As we were going through, and you would see the drifts of the snow had kind of blown with the wind. And as we were going over, I saw a dog stand up and shake. And then another dog stood up and shake. And then another dog stood up and shake. And out of that, a woman stood up. And then a man stood up. And by that time, we were up on them. And they were as slate gray as the sky was. They're, I mean, they, maybe not that gray, but they, were, they didn't look real good. The dogs looked great, by the way. And, uh, uh, and they were happy to see us and, you know, dogs. And, uh, uh, but we pulled up and greeted them and said, are you guys okay? The husband said, now we are. You need to have some experiences in your life where when you show up and somebody asks if they're okay, because you showed up, they said, now we are. 
You need to do that. You need to have that in your life. It can happen any number of ways. So the whole thing, we, we gathered up their stuff. Um, uh, each one of them got on one of the snow machines. We hooked the sled up to, to my machine. And, and um, the happiest group, it was, like, it was like a party. The dogs jump on the sled. They're used to getting in front of the sled, but now they're on the sled, and they're like, this is living life, man. So we started motoring back to, and we got back to Butch and Lori's cabin and got them off and, and got them into the house, started warming them up, doing all, all of the things that you would do in that. And they were not Christians at that moment. <laughs> the woman kept crying. I can't believe you found us. How did you find us? Bush piped up and said, Pastor and I prayed before we took off. Well, I don't know if it was the prayer, but I do know this. It was God that directed us because it was a big lake. <laughs> and the fact that we rode up on I realized, okay, God's right. So the whole thing is, in that very wilderness setting, in, the, in, 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 in just a miracle that it took place, at that point, if you can't lead them to Jesus then, you need to go back to Bible college. So... Uh, yeah, they got saved. I left later on, left them with uh, with Butch and Lord. They spent a couple days there, then they went up in the trap line. And, and uh, I'm going to finish the story, and then we'll get back in and touch on the Word of God. That next spring, now, I love the offerings here. You guys bring money and checks. It's amazing. It's a, thank God. It's America. They showed up in my church one Sunday morning later in the spring. And we didn't do offerings like this, but we took offerings. And at the end, the guy came up, and he, he had a bag, and he gave it to me. He said, I want you to have this. This is my offering. I said, okay. It's the strangest offering I ever got in my life. It was the height of a wolverine <laughs> that he had caught on the trap line that winter. And he said, this was the best thing that got in and out of my traps this winter. It was worth about 800 bucks back then. And he said, here's the offering. He wasn't giving it to me. He was giving it to God. I didn't have a Michael Wisman to say, hey, take care of this. I'm like, what do, what do I do with a wolverine hide? I mean, I, <laughs> anyway, we figured that all out. I can tell you, out of all the things that I've experienced in ministry, that was one of the most satisfying times of realizing God is able to move regardless of the circumstances. And so, where I want to just take it, the last few minutes here, is about satisfied in the, in, in the wilderness. How far are you willing to go with Jesus? Are you willing to go into places that have been never been on your grid before? Are you willing to go to places that you would never go on your own, but because the Lord's saying, hey, I need you to do this or go here? Are you willing to do that? I suspect 2023... I suspect the Lord is going to be coming into this church in such a way where it's going to challenge us to probably go and, and, and stretch ourselves like we've never been stretched before. I'm not talking about money or building. I'm just talking about the things that God wants to do in you and in me and in us. And who knows, in the people that will come. Who are you willing to take with you? Because sometimes the people that the Lord is reaching out and ministering to and drawing are people that you would never, ever connect with on your own. But through the Holy Spirit's guidance, he will connect you with them. And you say, Lord, I'm willing to take whoever you want with me on my journey. Sometimes those people are wonderful and you love them. And other times it's like, Lord, couldn't you have given this to somebody to somebody else? I mean, it, it doesn't, you know, but the Lord just, he has a sense of humor. He loves doing things that you'll laugh at later. Why did Jesus lead people into these uncultivated, undeveloped places? I believe a couple of reasons. Number one was to remove the distractions. So Jesus was doing miracles. He then said, hey, we're, we're going to go out into the, into, the, into the wilderness country. And thousands of people 
somehow heard. And they didn't. There wasn't an iPhone amongst them. There wasn't an email. There wasn't anything. But thousands, tens of thousands, probably ten, over 10,000 people got the word. And they beat Jesus to the destination where he and his disciples were going out in the wilderness. I'm going to prophesy something. I believe God is doing something here. And some of the people that are needing what the Lord, they're going to, they're going to beat us to where they're already there when we show up. That is, whenever they come in, they already have been prepped for what the Holy Spirit wants to do with them. All we've got to do is kind of shake the tree a little bit. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. It removes the distraction. It improves focus on what really matters. You know, sometimes it's, it's good where you just kind of unplug for a little while and focus on heaven. Focus on what God is doing in your life. Focus on, okay, Lord, what do I do next? That's part of what being coming satisfied in the wilderness is, is to go into an undeveloped, uncultivated place. It harkens back, and I can't go into it this morning, but Psalms 23, you all know it, Right? He leads me. He guides, he takes me beside still waters. He takes me beside green pastures. This, this word wilderness we're looking at, it means it's a place that's good for pasture. It's undeveloped. It's uncultivated. It's not touched too much by people, but the Lord knows by those still waters and those green pastures, something's going to happen that God's going to do in my life when he gets me there. I honestly think it would probably do most of us good to set the phone down and shut the computer off for a day or two. And I know you may have withdrawals. I'm not looking at you, Michael, but, uh. <laughs> That was an unfair shot. You can, you can give me back later. Uh, uh, there, there are times when you say, Lord, where do you want to lead me today? What do you want to say to me today? It improves the focus of what really matters. I'm going to take a, a couple of points here real quick. Jesus brought them there. There were about 5,000 men. So say that, say that most of them had a wife and one child. I mean, you could very easily double or triple that number very quickly. Uh, verse 34, I want you to take a look there very quick. So we set it up. They arrived there before them. That is, the crowd beat Jesus and his disciples there. And they came together to him. The Holy Spirit did that, by the way. And what the Holy Spirit did then in drawing people to Jesus, he's still doing today. Can I get an amen from somebody? He's still doing it today. Verse 34, and Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them. Why? Because he's a shepherd. And it goes on and said, he was moved because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. He was the shepherd. He was the good shepherd. He was, he was the, he was the uh, perfect image of, of shepherding. Now this point, I want to just touch. So he began to teach them many things. Jesus teach, teaches many things in the wilderness times of life. He teaches many things in the undeveloped. He teaches many things. Sometimes you need to take the break and just quiet down so that Jesus can teach you in those moments. Yeah, the wilderness, we've all been through them. We've all had the, the rough times and all of that. We've all had the hard places. There will probably be still some to come. But that's not even so much the wilderness I'm referring to here. It's just whenever you quiet it down and settle it down, you'll be amazed at how many things Jesus will teach you there. You don't need me to teach you there. He will teach you there. The scriptures talk about, Jesus talked about, that he said, there'll come a day when the Holy Spirit will teach you what you need to know. In those moments, that he, he's very good at those moments. I guess what I'm trying to talk about, we're going into one of the busiest seasons of the year. Don't forget to take a little pause and a sila and a rest and say, here I am, Lord. What do you want to say to me today? Verse 35 and 36, he taught them many things in that wilderness place. You know, I particularly think, and I, you know, it's kind of me just reading in a little bit. I don't think it's false doctrine. I don't think I'm getting out on thin ice or anything like that. But I think that he, in, he, he may have taught some things there that he didn't teach in the synagogue. Not that he couldn't teach it in the synagogue, but it was a special group in a special place. And who knows what he was... It doesn't say what he... It just said he taught them many things. I'm going to move on. So, 
Verse 35, and when the day was far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding villages and country and buy themselves bread for they have nothing. Uh, at, at some point, you're going to have to trust him with the timing. At some point in your life, every one of you, you're going to have to get to where you trust him with the timing in your life. I can tell you that's been one of the big struggles in my life since I started in 23 years old going into the ministry. I've always thought, God, it needs to be done quicker. I know none of you ever have had prayer meetings with the Lord like that. His timing is always, I've struggled with it. As you get a little bit older, I don't know if you slow down or maybe you get a little mature. But I'm going to tell you today, there's still things I struggle in the time. I'm like, Lord, help me to know what heaven's clock, how that thing works. Because it's, it's just different than my clock. Like I said, I, I believe God has a great sense of humor. I really do. He just laughs. Just trust me. Just trust me. Trust him with his timing. They, they got up there. The day was far spent. And what's happening is disciples are wringing their hands. We've got 10,000, maybe more people. And here's the incredible thing about this whole process. They were that crowd of people, primarily because they numbered it with the men, 5,000 men. And those that would have come with them, they beat Jesus and the disciples into this place where they ended up, where Jesus began to teach them. And this miracle takes place. And the amazing thing about it is that men with their family, with their wives and their children, went there and didn't bring provision or food with them. They were so focused on getting to where Jesus was going to be that they didn't think. That's pretty amazing for me. That's pretty amazing. Most of us always figure out we're going to take a lunch, right? If we're not taking lunch, we're figuring out, okay, when it gets there, we're going to go to this restaurant, we're going to go here, we're going to go to that one. Something so captivated them about Jesus, they ran up into the uncultivated, undeveloped. There wasn't a Burger King or a McDonald's to be seen. There wasn't a a Hebrew shack anywhere. There was just just wilderness, deserted places. But Jesus was there, and they went. I'm going to tell you, that inner hunger is still, it's always been real in the human race. It is still real today, and it still is mightily moved on by the Spirit of God to draw people to where they forget about just the normal things of life and they become so focused. That's coming again. I believe to us, to people's church, to this city, to our nation. So verse 36, he tells the disciples, send them away. Or they said, send them away for they have nothing. You're going to have to trust Jesus with provision at some point in your life. How many have had to trust Jesus with provision? Timing and provision. Two areas that will cause you to say, Lord, they'll cause you to pray. Let me put it that way. But I believe in the many things that Jesus was teaching in the wilderness, he was teaching them about trusting him, how to take care, about trusting him for timing. I don't know what the world, I don't know what tomorrow holds. None of us do. But I do know we're living in another season with high inflation and the economy's not good and they talk about it and all oh, this, this is the reason and this is why and all those things. I'm going to tell you for the church, we operate on, we don't operate on the world's economy, right? We operate on what Randy was talking about, on, on a kingdom economy, on, on giving and, and being generous. And God uh, blesses that and all of those kind of things. But in that, uh, we may have to trust him for provision in the next season. Are you okay with that? You're not going to break and run like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? We're going to have to get a foxhole and hide out. No, he can provide no matter what's happening on Wall Street. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. He's always provided. He always has and he always will. He'll never be indebted to any human being. So verse 38, he said, I need you to go and find out what you have. But he said to them, how many do you have? How many loaves do you have? How many, what do you have with you? Go and see. 
The, the reality is they didn't know what they had. Probably. And I don't mean this to be unkind in any way, so don't take it that way. But most of you don't even realize how much you have. <laughs> when you move, you find out you have more than what you ever thought you had. And I blamed her for it. Oh, no! <laughs> I know Mike and Teresa. No, never. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord, lying in church. Well, no, I'm just, we're, just, we're just kidding around. Jesus wants you to take inventory. I'm not just talking about your stuff or your bank account. You have more in you, in your inventory of experience with God than you can ever imagine. Before you were saved, he, was, he, was, he kept you from killing yourself. Or probably a number of you should have died several times before he ever came to Jesus, but he spared you. He inter- intervened. He did take inventory. He was telling the disciples, they're, they're just like, they're focused on the need. We got 10,000 people. We don't have enough money. Jesus brought us out here. There's no stores. There's no nothing. People are going to start fainting. They're going to, it's going to be a disaster here. And they didn't even know what they had. Now, when they did figure out what they had, it wasn't enough. <laughs> Somebody just laugh about that. Okay. That's usually what happens when the Lord wants you to take inventory is to show you, Oh, Gideon, how many soldiers do you have? Oh, we got thousands, Lord. Okay, get rid of half of them. <laughs> well, the thousands we have, Lord, we're still outnumbered 10 to 1, and you're... Yeah. Okay, oh, you know what? You still have too many. Get down to the, get down to the creek, get down to the brook, get down to the bayou, wherever part you're from, and take a look. And out of that, you're going to get rid of some more. Lord, what are you doing? Oh, by the way, put all the weapons away and make sure everybody's got a pot and a candle. Don't you just love the Lord? He's, he's still the same, by the way. He never changes. That process will play out in your life over and over and over again. Remember one of the things I, I it's one of the principles of my life with the word, is that the New Testament's hidden in the Old Testament. And the Old Testament's revealed in the New Testament. So the lesson there is, yeah, God wants to get it down to where when it happens, there's no way that you can take credit for it. He's the one that gets the praise and glory for it. Come on, somebody. That's what this was about. Go see. We got five loaves, two fish. And then Jesus takes over. And it says he commanded. He began to, he began to, he began to take charge of what was going on. And how many do you have? Go and see. Look at the end of that, verse 38. And when they found out, they said. That's the prayer meeting right there. When you find out what your inventory is, that's when you need to tell God about it. Don't tell him about it before you inventory it, all right? Once you inventory it, okay, Lord. Let me tell you how that's working right here in people's church. Okay, Lord, we've got a little bit of money in the account, and we've got a great big air conditioner that needs to be fixed. (laughs) Oh, we take an inventory. We checked it out. It's not coming back. It's gone. It's dead. It's out there. We'll bury it, you know, a few months. But it's out there. But I took inventory and I said, all right, Lord, uh, here's the bid and here's what we got. I can tell you this right now. I don't have the answer, but he does. I don't know the way, but he'll make a way. Come on, somebody. Yeah, we'll all pitch in a little bit. We'll all do the best. We'll all, we'll all do all that needs to be done. But in the end, we're going to say, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord, come on. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to, I need to wrap this up because here's where it goes down and down in verse 42. There's so much here. He, he made them sit down. He, he blessed it. He broke the bread. I may just take a week and just talk to you about all the time Jesus broke things. Oh, I know you've never been broken. Oh, that's the other church, right? Okay. Yeah. Oh, this, this one. Yeah. Um, 
And so it says that they all ate and were filled. The word filled simply means they were satisfied. So they all ate and were filled. The disciples were just, they, you know, it's not because they were filled with so much power and faith. They were just doing what Jesus told them to do. They started running out the baskets. They started running out the baskets and, and, um, and a miracle happened. It happens in the Old Testament, happens in the New Testament. When God's in charge, he has a way to make things not run out. I, I was going to tell you another story here, and I'm out of time. But we went. We went. What was that? What was that guy's name in Pleasanton or in San Ramon? We went to. Um, yeah. What was his name? Yes. He had a story of feeding gypsies in Eastern Europe. They had enough for 500 in the soup pot, and 3,000 came through, and they fed all of them. Modern day. 10 years ago, maybe something like that. Um, and he used this verse. He said, God's still doing it. God's amazing. God's amazing. Here's, the, here's what it's all about. Is that in it doesn't matter how it gets done. He just wants, he wants to satisfy you. Let's stand up. He wants you to be satisfied with him. He wants you to be satisfied with his ways. He wants you to be satisfied no matter where he leads you. No matter what the journey looks like. No matter how good it looks today or how messed up it looks today. He wants you to find that your satisfaction is in him. Not in anything else that... That this world would try to say, man, if you just had this, you'd be happy. I'm going to tell you, once you get that, you'll not be happy. But when Jesus comes, he satisfies like nothing else can. He takes care of it from the inside out. If you've been struggling with where you're at in life today, I want to tell you that um, he's got you where you need to be right now. He he has you right where you where he, he, I won't say where he wants you, but he has you right where you need to be. Because he's... He's getting ready to show his glory into your circumstances. I want to take a moment. <clears throat> How many want to be more satisfied? Oh, God. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I pray today that we would find not just our hope, not just feel good, not just a little bit of joy, but Lord, we would find and know that in you is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And that Lord, everything in the glory of heaven is released through you and it's released to us. And Lord, I pray right now for this group of people that we've been able to share a little bit of the word of God with today, that Lord, you will bring what only you can do is that we would be satisfied with you. That Lord, the, the shine of the world would just wear off. Lord, the, the striving and the, and the trying to get a, get a hold and get more, Lord, that would just go by the wayside. And everything about us will be wrapped up and found in you. Lord, you are the reason that we've come before this throne of grace today. Lord, I pray for those that are struggling, for those that are going through great need today. We all have needs. There are times, Lord, when the needs are so much more than what we're able to meet. I pray today, God, that you will show them how to be abased and how to abound, like Paul said, and he said, I've learned to be content in all of it. Help us today, Jesus. Just receive the touch of the Spirit of God upon your life right now. I'm just, it's a holy moment. Let's take 30 more seconds and just say, I receive that, Lord. Let that word become the living reality within my life. I want to be satisfied with the things of God and not of the things of the world. Lord, I don't want my fears to drive me away in fa- out of faith, Lord. I want anything that would be contrary to you to push me closer to you, Jesus. The wilderness times in my life, Lord, I thank you for them. The wilderness times in my life, I thank you for the provision I've seen in them, Jesus. Bless it, Lord. If you're here this morning and you want prayer, I'm going to open the altars. Come on down. I'm going to dismiss you. Wednesday night we'll be back here at 7 o'clock. But if you're here this morning and you need prayer, you want prayer, come on down. Myself and some others will be down here. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. 
Thank you so much for coming. Let's wait and let's watch and see what the Lord is going to do. He has great and mighty things in store. If you need prayer, come on down. If not, just show yourself friendly. Love each other. God bless you.